Welcome to Living Through the Word. I'm Julian Dobbs, the Diocesan Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word and host of this podcast. And this week, I'm joined by Ernie Dido, the Communications Manager and Media Producer at Clear Impact Productions and Director of Communication for GAFCON, the Global Anglican Future Conference, of which our diocese is a member diocese, as is our province, the Anglican Church in North America. Ernie has been a great friend to the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, our own communications director uh, here right now, behind the scenes producing this episode, works closely with Ernie on a number of matters. Similarly, Ernie has been behind the scenes this first year of the podcast, often helping us secure interviews and providing critique and feedback. Ernie, we're so grateful for the support you've provided uh, for the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word and this podcast. Welcome, welcome, and thanks for being with us. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you very much. One of the ironies uh, about the role of a communications director is that he or she actually spends uh, some time, probably more time, behind the microphone than in front of it. Uh, it's it's very practical ministry of service, providing, providing support. And today I want to place the microphone in front of you, Ernie, and ask, what does the job entail? What is your mission? How did you find yourself in this role? <laughs> during during 2018 uh, Jerusalem Conference of GAFCONs, the criticism was leveled that GAFCON is a ginger group. Our American listeners may not be familiar with that term. It means a special interest protest group. I do not believe that that term is true or should be used in, in any way of GAFCON. A global group of orthodox and confessing Anglicans is more defined by what they stand for, what they believe, who they are and how they belong to Jesus than what they stand against. Mm. So, Ernie, how do you work to communicate the growing positive aspect of GAFCON and its ministry? And if you can... How is that seen in the grassroots of the movement? Right. Well, when I came on board, which is approximately a year ago, uh, I had already had a bit of experience having gone to the Jerusalem conference. And in fact, that's where I met Mark. We were roommates there. We were just uh, forced together in a, in a room at a hotel in Jerusalem. And that's how I, I got to know him. And we realized we had a lot more in common than, than we uh, realized before and have become friends and uh, co-workers. But um, that experience uh, in Jerusalem, seeing the, what was it, 2,000 plus uh, delegate? You were there, right, uh, Bishop? I was there. What a spectacular yeah. event. I mean, I'm still... I'm still, as I think about it, Ernie, so moved by that incredible event. Oh, my goodness. You know, and hearing the Ghanaian choir up front and leading us and singing, and then uh, everyone, you know, on a regular basis saying, proclaiming Christ faithfully, and the the roar of, of when we would do that. You know, it's hard to, it, it was very difficult just to look at that crowd and hear and all of the, the discussions going on and the energy and to juxtapose that with what was called what we were called the ginger group, like some fringe group. 
I, I truly believe that many people at the conference looked around at each other and said, wait a minute, uh, we're the 800-pound gorilla in the room here in Anglicanism, and um, we are the ones that represent the majority of the world. Seven, I've heard 75 to 85% and were represented there, and that the what what is happening in in Anglicanism around the world, and particularly those who are like-minded with the Gafcon uh, vision and mission, is is remarkable. And over the past year, year and a half, I've had the privilege to be sent hither and yon to to really witness what is happening. Uh, and I could share more about that later, but the 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 bottom line of what i what i'm supposed to do is i as i see it is to communicate the growing reality of of who we are that we are uh unified uh in uh, in proclaiming christ faithfully and that it is growing like we i mean it's it's growing beyond what i ever imagined and realized living in the united states um it's it's a it is often, I should say, there are some who, you know, regard it as ginger and as a sometimes negatively as the group of no um, regarding certain or being single issue oriented. But in fact, it's it, there's such a depth and breadth of what is happening uh, in in the most unexpected places for Anglicanism. Brazil, uh, you know, it's just exploding. Uh, and, and in other places that, you know, the Guatemalan, um, uh, in, in the inner city of Guatemala, it's growing and in places you would never, ever expect. Uh, so my job is to reflect that, to share that, to unearth this, this movement that is happening of God. And I do believe it is a God. Uh, and to reflect it so that the right hand will know what the left is doing and, and be of encouragement uh, to each other. Yeah, you know, Ernie, thank you for sharing that with us. One of, one of the impactful memories that still uh, uh, uplifts my spirit as I think back to Jerusalem and the Gathcon gathering there, uh, 2018, was the representation from so many nations around the world, uh, mm. Christians for whom English wasn't their first language, Anglicans mm. from historic seas like uh, Canterbury and the Church of England connected in various ways because they confessed Jesus Christ. It was, mm. it, it was in many respects, wasn't it, a little foretaste of that new heaven and that new earth where gathered around the throne, tribes, nations, languages coming together uh, to praise God. And as you rightly say, uh, uh, no one, no one could say that we were some sort of ginger or or splinter group. We, we you know, <laughs> we have got Christ and the gospel, and with with a muscle in the room, as you say. Uh, tell me, if you would, just a little bit um, about how Gafcon works to serve the non-English speaking world, because it can be sometimes uh, difficult for us who, uh, for whom English is our our first language. Uh, to think that outside of North America and the British Isles and Canada and uh, Sydney, Australia and New Zealand and elsewhere, that in fact there are people that don't speak English as their first language who are in fact amongst the powerhouse of this GAFCOM movement. 
That's right. Well, it, you know, Anglicanism did grow uh, uh, through the through the growth of the of, of course the British Empire. The sun never set on the British Empire at one point, um, uh, and but things have evolved a lot since then. So, for instance, uh, the country of Rwanda um, is was somewhat under the English influence. Correct me if I'm wrong in my history, but that was all kind of fuzzy between Uganda and Rwanda, but French was their background and it continues to be strong in French, but it also continues to be strong in, in their, in their native tongues, but they are embracing uh, more English now. Uh, and, and so that, that church is, I just was, was there. It was just very strong under the leadership of Mbanda uh, Archbishop Mbanda, um, but so so you see the, the the languages evolving around the world, but but we're seeing from those churches the 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 growth of the Anglican Church, and it's almost like out of control in some places. For instance, in Brazil uh, is is the big notable one at the moment, and particularly in the area uh, the far east of Brazil uh, on Recife on the coast. In the Recife region, there is Archbishop Miguel and his uh, some other bishops underneath him, like uh, uh, Bishop Marcio, and they are growing exponentially. And so they are in need of support. They are in need of training for their bishops. So there, there will be, uh, for instance, I just came from a training that was taking place in um, in Brazil. Uh, it was a bishop's training institute, and so many bishops from Chile, uh, Argentina, from uh, all over South America uh, came to that training institute that was sponsored by GAFCON. And you, and you would think that, well, wait, bishop training, isn't there just like, you know, bishop school or something like that? But uh, these guys were learning some some solid basic material that I would consider basic that would, you know, probably would not have had it. How do you deal with counseling and crisis within your church and financial issues and just the whole panoply of issues? And they were just over a two-week period, I believe, uh, just intensely uh, trained in how to uh, lead and follow in the in the ways of the Lord in serving their flock, and so Gafcon was able to supply that and provide that. Um, so that's one an example. But what I at the moment personally am most excited about is the fact that we are, uh, you know, right now we have had a web page uh, that's English based, but as of about a month or so ago, uh, Giuliani who is a GAFCON rep in Brazil has been working very hard and thanks to her and others has now, we have now premiered a Portuguese, we're calling it a light GAFCON website because we don't have everything up there, but we're having a lot of the material up there and very shortly we're going to have Spanish and the news is very shortly Swahili as well. We're in the process of that going. The hardest one is French and if there's any French speakers out there that uh, would love to uh, contribute a little bit of time to help help us get going with French. That would be so helpful. Um, our goal was to have this done with these four languages by the Kigali uh, conference in June. Uh, but of course, we're not having that conference now due to the virus. Uh, but that is happening. In addition, we've started having th these devotional series that has come out has uh, 
out of nowhere, a person, I shouldn't say out of nowhere, but someone I had contacted a few months ago about the possibility of helping translate in Spanish, wrote me and said, here you go. I've already translated out of the blue two or three devotionals from Ashley Knoll, who has started to do it. And lo and behold, within a week or so, we'll be able to uh, to uh, provide that as an option in Spanish and Portuguese, the devotional translation. So our, we, we're trying to move away from being so uh, English-centric. That will definitely be the language, the, the trade language, so to speak. But we are seeing that there's huge growth in areas like Brazil. And you know what? It's been interesting as a communications guy and an older fella, I'm going on 55 in two days. Um, you know, I have, it's a constant learning curve for me in technology, constant. And I feel like I'm always scrambling. And we had, we just recently had a, a Zoom training session, uh, or a rather seminar that GAFCON provided. And I believe, Mark, were you part of that? I think Mark may have been a part of that. And we we invited one of the Brazilians who was just an expert in it. And uh, he, they in many ways are leading the way in a lot of te the technology and use of media, particularly like in Instagram and things of that nature. So we're, we have a lot to learn from our brothers and sisters in the global South and around the world, and particularly in some of these language groups. And we, we hope that, that it's gonna be a two-way street of benefit for uh, in both directions. Oh, that's just wonderful, Ernie. And people can find information about GAFCON at GAFCON. That's G-A-F-C-O-N uh, dot O-R-G. And I encourage you to go and sign up there and get the updates. And, and you'll hear more about those daily devotions, uh, read more about them there. I want to just talk about that briefly, um, Ernie, uh, because um, two of my, my very close friends, uh, Dr. Ashley Null, and our sister Faith McDonnell have been part of uh, writing um, those uh, daily devotionals, and this is this is a great thing, isn't it? Because it it causes us to go deeper into the Word of God and to open the Bible and to connect with fellow Christians in our Anglican community around the world. Just talk us through the vision of those daily devotionals and how they're being used. Right. Well, we we. we... We saw that part of our mission is not only to unify, but also to help equip the Anglicans in proclaiming Christ faithfully. And we felt that the devotions could be a very, as you could say, maybe a slow and steady way of being a rudder, uh, you know, rudder, uh, guiding a sh the ship, where um, diving into the word on a daily basis, drawing from, we started off drawing from the church fathers. We were so thankful for Barbara Gutier in Chicago and helping us with that. And she will be uh, making appearances again, uh, sharing from the church fathers. Um, but we saw it as a way that um, as people globally went to this, that we could walk together in the same direction, and which hopefully would all be grounded in the word, in the word of God. And so we we then contacted um, uh, uh, Faith, who is the director of the Suffering Church Network, and who is he's located locally here in Washington D.C. I'm in I'm about two hours outside of Washington D.C. and is passionate with a capital P about advocating for the Suffering Church. So she, as well as Bishop Andudu are now directors of the uh, Suffering Church Network, and those and and so Faith 
uh, took on the theme during Lent, it felt like it would be appropriate to match up with the season of Lent, to speak towards the suffering church and combine that with what the Word has to say about that and how we can specifically pray for the suffering church. And so now we have Ashley No. The Easter season began uh, Sunday before last. And wait, wait, was it Sunday before last or last Sunday? We are. I think Sunday, the Sunday before last. The, the Sunday before last it began, and this time has flown. And he <clears throat> um, will be focusing to the next, I suppose, uh, 25, 30 days till the end of the season. And we might match it up with the church calendar, try and do that. And we've just got word. Uh, I won't I won't say exactly who at the moment. I'll keep it under my hat until it's 100% confirmed. But a fellow from um, England who is uh, who's who's considering taking on the next uh, couple weeks after Ashley Null, who is actively going through a battle with cancer and has been for several years, and he will be addressing the topic of pain and suffering and death. Uh, given that he has been staring death in the face for this period. And we thought, well, this during this period of time where many are uh, anguishing with this uh, coronavirus, that this might be a good time for him to address this issue. So we'll be moving along with varying people throughout. We have a deep bench, don't we, in the Anglican communion and um, that are confessing Anglicans. And we're hoping to draw from people from the global south and other areas that can contribute to these devotions going forward to really help shape and move us in a direction and, of course, being to the Word. I'm speaking with Ernie Dido, the Director of Communications for the GAFCON movement, the Global Anglican Future Conference, of which our diocese is a member. At the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, we're here to equip and edify you in your walk with Christ we're working to develop multiple ways for you to connect through this period of social distancing uh, resulting mm. from the COVID-19 challenge with resources like those daily devotionals from GAFCON and devotionals from our own diocese, which you will find mm. on our website at adlw.org. I encourage you to visit there and sign up to get our regular uh, information. Ernie, right before the uh, COVID-19 pandemic hit the United States, you went on a trip, you referenced it just earlier, uh, to represent GAFCON at a couple of key sites for the Suffering Church. Uh, ministering to the Suffering Church is a cause very close to my heart and that of my wife, having uh, dedicated almost 20 years of our life working with persecuted Christians. Uh, you are hosted by a true hero uh, from of the faith, Bishop Andudu from Sudan. Um, as much as you safely can, tell us something of the situation on the ground there. What's happening with the bishop? How is he ministering in the name of Christ in that difficult context? Mm. Well, if I may, could I... <laughs> I just, if I could just tell the story about him, and maybe through my story of getting to know Please him, it, it, it could it could lead up to it. So I I worship at Church of the Incarnation here in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and several years ago, three four years ago, uh, in walked a family, um, uh, a, a clearly a family, uh, African family. Um, uh, I say African, I mean perhaps sub-Saharan Africa. And one thing led to another, and we got to know him, and it turns out he came to our town to participate in a, 
uh, Bishop Ndudu came to our town to participate in a program uh, for peace and reconciliation. He had gotten a grant. Uh, what had happened is, as two weeks after receiving that grant, his entire family was given asylum to come here, his five children and his wife. So they all moved to Harrisonburg. And the reason he was granted asylum was because he, uh, he basically he was on the hit list. And he was able to de demonstrate that uh, by the Sudanese government as led by Bashir, President Bashir. And so one thing led to another in our family getting to know him. He ended up living, now he lives within uh, a mile from my house. We're, we're essentially neighbors. He uh, began telling me, the more he told, told me about Sudan and his role, the more I was just amazed. Uh, oh, let me backtrack a little bit too on that story because he first came and he, he, this was in the early days of it. Well, I should say about five years ago, four or five years ago, when our church was still figuring things out with the, uh, our, our, we, had, we had been moving to a few different places because we were a church plant. And he had looked at the address, and the address was our office, which was in a five story building. And he had, he had gone to that, uh, and his wife was saying, Well, we just passed an Episcopal church on the way. Why don't we just go there? And he, he said, oh, no, I, I, I don't think we'll be going to that one. And we, what we want is, is I, from what I have read, is this Anglican church. And she, and she didn't understand the nuances, but now she does. And that's what led them ultimately to our church. So he, uh, he has a background that as I started, he's so humble. And you would just, you just, I don't know, you, he just is, like just talking to any old guy, but as the more you start digging, um, you, if you were to Google him on Dudu and, for instance, George Clooney, you would see that um, he rubs shoulders with a lot of people around the globe, <laughs> including going to the Senate uh, to uh, lobby for his people and has, has been with uh, a lot of high-powered people. But yet here he was in our midst. And the more I talked to him, the more I began wanting as a videographer, thinking the wheels turning that, oh, my goodness, this guy could win the Nobel Peace Prize. I, I would love to do a documentary on him. And the reason is, is that he is one of, um, I believe, four bishops in, the, in Sudan. And he's in a bishop in the, of an area called the Nuba Mountains. And the Nuba Mountains, when, when Sudan several years ago, I can't recall exactly how many years, was it 10 years ago that they split uh, between Sudan and South Sudan. The majority in South Sudan were supposedly Christian, uh, and then in the north were supposedly Muslim. But in his area, the Nuba Mountains, there was a significant number of Christians in that area, and he represented them. That area was uh, controlled mostly by a rebel group, the SPLA, uh, and that group uh, did was very successful in de defending their territory uh, from the government of Sudan, which is Muslim, and was persecuting them mightily. And the persecution that began taking place became even more just random in that they would just bomb them from the air. They They would fly these uh, bombers, Russian bombers over and just randomly drop bombs. And so 
that is the area that for years on end he has been a part of. He has, he, uh, there's a piece that you could, if you were to go into the GAFCON website, you would see a, a short, very short piece uh, about him and how in one of his mass, uh, one of the services that he was giving, he was facing a mountain and uh, he was facing 1,200 people in the service and then behind them was a mountain. And as he was doing this, uh, he heard a Russian bomber and saw it come over the mountain. And all of the people could not see it, but he could because he was facing them and they were about to do communion. So he uh, stopped and he prayed, oh, Lord, you know, blind the eyes of these of these uh, pilots so that they don't drop their bombs on us. Because it was a very target rich spot. The government essentially they don't want to just uh, win the war. They want they were committing outright genocide. And there's many, many uh, documents to document that. Um, and so the, the plane, the bomber came right over them. Everyone scattered when it came over and they finally realized it, but it didn't drop the bombs and it flew on into a field several miles away and they could hear them when they dropped. And it turned out it didn't harm anybody. And for him, it was a real answer to prayer. So that is the kind of random indiscriminate bombing that the, the government is doing last year. Now, let me let me back up a little bit. That the, that Bishop Ndudu is seen by the people because he has stayed there and advocates for them. Uh, he is seen as a real hero to the people, and the rebel group see him as such. But he is very much hated by the Sudanese government, which was in power up until a year ago. Uh, he has had instances where they tried to buy him off and he refused. And uh, so a year ago though, the Sudanese government went through somewhat of a revolution. There is now a, a joint government that's uh, military and civilian run. Bishop Ndudu knows the civilian uh, prime minister very well. And so right now, what's, what's fascinating is in the Nuba mountain region that is controlled by the rebels, there is no Sharia law. In the rest of Sudan, there is. Sharia law basically you know, locks things down uh, all under uh, the Islamic strict code, would, will not allow the worship and services and Christian services and things of that nature. But because there is no Sharia law in the Nuba Mountains, what we are beginning to witness is an explosion of the church there. And I got to witness it. It was fabulous. We drove into a village where uh, people, just hundreds and hundreds of people dancing and singing and welping, welcoming us with Bishop and Dudu, and they're carrying crosses and waving Bibles in the air. And uh, and then they, they even gave me a necklace with a, with a, with a cross on it, and I kept it, and I have it on right now, to remind me, because in that village five years ago, I was told there were, they were, they were no Christians. They were all Muslims, five years ago. And now it is open, cheering. They were, they were, say, they were, they were in, in Arabic as they were running along singing, Hallelujah, Hamdallah, Hallelujah, Hamdallah, uh, Hallelujah, praise to God. It just... It, it was fine tingling to see and be a part of that. And he is the one who has remained strong during this, this period. He is still there at the moment. He, is, he will be there till June, my understanding is, or maybe longer. We don't know. 
And uh, we need to be in prayer for him because he still is a man that's sought after. And uh, he is trying to rally his, he has about 125 uh, parish priests underneath him. And he was actually uh, meeting with them right after I left and doing a seminar that was fantastic on peace and reconciliation, forgiveness. And what's fascinating about that is that what he's trying, what he is trying to do is look ahead that if, if peace does come, that's permanent uh, in the peace talks, they will have another hurdle to go through. And that is that there won't be retribution against the Muslims uh, in the areas that are dominated by Christians. And the tricky part in Africa, in that particular area, is possible tribal uh, differences. And so he's trying to build even now a foundation within the church of peace and reconciliation under Christ. He's really an amazing man. He's truly amazing. He, is, he stands very firm on the gospel and uh, as, as evidenced by um, his participation in Dubai, uh, the GAFCON meeting in Dubai with other members of uh, that, that wanted to participate with GAFCON but were unable to attend in Jerusalem many members of the suffering church. I've spoken a lot, so I don't know if you have any questions regarding all that I said. Well, thank you for sharing that. What it reminds us is not only in his very uh, uh, challenging situation, but right around the world, right around the GAFCON provinces, uh, where Christians are in the minority, many are suffering significantly for their faith. And our regular prayers, our financial support, our petitioning on their behalf in whatever way we can is super important. And GAFCON itself, as we've mentioned already, through the tireless efforts of the Persecuted Church Network uh, under the leadership of Faith McDonald and others, will help us to uh, engage with those who are suffering. Ernie, one final question. Uh, what are the biggest goals you have for the year ahead in your role as the uh, Director of Communications for GAFCON. We mentioned earlier that Rwanda, uh, the Rwanda meeting in Kigali was about to take place. We've had to postpone that uh, because of uh, the COVID situation. Uh, but um, how's GAFCON adapting? What are the challenges uh, as uh, as we move forward? Well, it certainly is a challenge. However, we're, you know, the core of who GAFCON is is really a communication uh, movement. <laughs> and we have 10 uh, networks uh, ranging from the suffering. We've already talked about the suffering church network, but we have networks like called the church planning network and the women's ministry and the youth youth and children's ministry. So for instance, uh, my, my, well, uh, my goal is to see that those networks and their leaders um, in this time where uh, they, to take advantage of the technology at hand and using that, for instance, like Zoom and other things, to really build up a foundation uh, with each other, for instance, uh, with the communicators themselves. Uh, Mark was a part of this, and it was just a joy to pull all these communicators from around the globe onto one screen and look at each other. So key communicators from Nigeria and Kenya and from all around, from U.S., we all got together and looked at each other, and we were able to share joys and challenges. That is building the networks. So that's one thing. The other thing is the communication, direct communication at, a, at the more grassroots level. 
you know, for instance, in the U.S., I'm, I'm sorry to say, but if I were to go to the average parishioner in the U.S. and ask them, what is GAFCON? I think many people would would look at you cross-eyed and suggest it might be a, a star uh, in, in Star Wars or something. Uh, what is GAFCON? You know, and, and so we, it's, it's communicating to the to the grassroots level in a better and a more effective way. So as a result, we are doing a thing right now just launched today called the GAFCON Moment and Prayer. So what happens oftentimes is people will go to the GAFCON website and say, uh, wow, there's a lot of there, a lot of information, but how in the world am I going to distill that and, and change that and share that with my church? Well, the GAFCON Moment and Prayer is, is a way to do that so that every week you will see a GAFCON Moment which is going to be done and put together by Johnny uh, Lockwood, the head of the prayer network, who's doing an excellent job. And he will share a moment, for instance, uh, that will share what GAFCON is about. So he'll say GAFCON is about working with the uh, suffering church and supporting them and finding ways to help them. And then the prayer will be one specific prayer. And this is what is so great about what Johnny does. He doesn't just say, pray for Nigeria, pray for the suffering church in Nigeria. He really digs and drills down, and he finds specific names, specific parishes. Um, you'll see that right now. If you were to go up on the website, you'll see a, a burned-out church and home there and a specific prayer request related to that. So if you are, for instance, a, a, an administrator in your church or someone that really wants to advocate for GAFCON, you could look at that. You could click on it, copy, paste, Put it in your uh, your weekly newsletter, and it's just long enough that it's not too much, not too little. It gives you a good little taste of what GAFCON is about. And my encouragement would be, uh, for instance, Anchor Anglican in Foy, Ing, uh, Foy Cornwall, UK. They pretty much do this every week as a missions minute. They they will read something like what we provide there in the GAFCON moment in prayer. It is an excellent way of hearing each other around the globe. My the, the, the biggest, the most challenging thing is hearing from the global south in areas that, you know, when I was there, Internet is just not as prolific. And, and Congo particularly is a country that still has great challenges, technology. So we can be a conduit to help uh, bring the, the information, the, the, the prayers, the joys uh, to light and be a connector and building networks to unify and equip the church worldwide, the Confessing Church. It's been a great privilege to have Ernie Dido with us on this episode of Living Through the Word. You can find more about GAFCON at GAFCON, that's G-A-F-C-O-N dot O-R-G, and sign up there to receive all the information and updates that GAFCON has available. We're a member diocese of the Global Anglican Future Conference, and I encourage you to participate and to join with us, uh, standing alongside those faithful brothers and sisters in Christ who uphold the historic faith of the church around the Anglican community. Ernie, thanks so much for being with us. You're welcome. It was a joy at any time. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and the word of his grace.